This is Franchise Voice from the International Franchise Association with your host today, Ricky Amos, Executive Director of IFA's Franchise Foundation. And I'm Jack Munson. Hi, Ricky. How are you? I'm great, Jack. How are you today? I am terrific, and I want to learn a little bit more about the Franchise Foundation. What can you tell us before we bring in our guests? Sure thing. Thank you so much first for the opportunity to guest host with you today. I'm very excited. This is a passion topic for me and we have amazing speakers to come and share their expertise. So as we jump into that, let me ground everybody a little bit in in the work that we do at the IFA Foundation. You know, one of the first things I heard from the time I came over to the IFA in 2018 is just it's how important it is for people to understand the franchise business model better and to understand that it's a positive impact on communities across the country and around the world. And, you know, in that, the foundation in particular is the 501c3. We focus on four pillars within franchising. We look at how uh, franchising is good for veterans and vice versa. We look at community and philanthropy because we know franchises are so engaged as, as local leaders in, in their communities. We look at research and how there's a, you know, such a positive trend for workforce and career opportunities and entrepreneurship opportunities through franchising. And then where we're going to focus today is in diversity and understanding how um, you know, franchising is, a, is just such a powerful uh, option for uh, people of color and underrepresented communities and women uh, in finding their small business ownership dream. So a big part of the foundation's job is to raise awareness of franchising, talk about uh, the opportunities available to people in all of these communities, but then also talk about some of the challenges and some of the hurdles that create challenges for communities of color and underrepresented populations for getting involved in franchising. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, you know, we think it's really important and a big part of an initiative we have at the IFA and the IFA Foundation is what we're calling our Open for Opportunity campaign. Because we see the strength and power of franchising, we want to tell the stories. We want to shine a light on what is really positive about franchising, but then also have dialogue among so many stakeholder groups about what we can all do together to help increase entrepreneurship among uh, communities of color, among women, among veterans, and you name it. So we're going to be having some really great discussion on that today, uh, particularly on the area of accessing capital. You know, when you talk about diversity in franchising and you talk about the goals that so many franchise brands have in increasing ownership rates and employee rates and, and career paths within uh, diverse communities, one of the first things you hear is about how accessing capital is a particular challenge. And so we didn't want to just talk about it being a challenge. We wanted to bring some resources to the table who could help us talk about, well, what are some solutions? What can franchise brands think about? What can local opportunity seekers um, find different paths to getting uh, financing for their franchise ownership opportunities? So we have two amazing guests with us here today to share their expertise and, and join this discussion with us. So first, I'm going to bring in Jack Wilson. Jack Wilson is currently a principal at Liquid Capital of Greater Philadelphia. He has been a chief development officer at the Family Financial Centers. He's a franchise subject matter expert and a, a SCORE mentors in Philadelphia. And in the IFA world in particular, he is chair of the Access, Capital, uh, Access to Capital Committee on our Black Franchise Leadership Council, which is an affinity group within our Diversity Institute. So Jack, welcome. It's great to see you. How are you today? Wonderful, Ricky. And it's thanks. Uh, thank you very much for such a nice introduction. And it's great to be here. 
Great, Jack. Thanks so much. I'm also going to bring in, uh, before we jump right into our conversation, I'd like to introduce everybody to Dafina Williams. Dafina Williams is the Senior Vice President of External Affairs at Opportunity Finance Network. And one of the things that we're going to do when we introduce her is first is to explain what Opportunity Finance Network is, because I think there's a good chance that a lot of folks listening to this podcast might not know what that's about. So we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, how are you today, Dafina? Hi, Ricky. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great to have you back. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, all right, Jack, let's start with you. Particularly, you know, you, you are our Access to Capital Chair on the Black Franchise Leadership Council. You are so steeped in this universe within franchising. Can you just help us in the audience get a little bit of context? Why is this the thing that is so important to talk about regarding diversity in franchising? Well, thank you. And you're right. It is a, a big thing to talk about. It's one of the hurdles. It's a challenge both to franchisees and franchisors. Uh, I know being a franchisee since 2010 and being on the franchisor side for the last five years, that's the challenge. Um, and it's a challenge primarily for two reasons. One is an education piece, the education of knowing kind of where and what tools are available financially what financial partners are available, uh, how to access them. That's just from the franchisor standpoint. And then when you flip that, it's the same type of education issue and challenge for those who are considering franchising as a path to business ownership. It's education, 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 and that's really the hurdle. I think you're spot on, Jack. Thank you so much for that context. I mean, above we that's what we're always hearing, right? This is an awareness issue on both sides, right? One, getting out to the opportunity seekers and let them know that there are multiple paths in seeking uh, funding for their franchise ownership that isn't necessarily as part of a, a major bank or a large bank. There are a number of options. And for our franchisors as well, you know, I think a lot of them aren't necessarily aware of some of the challenges that this this pipeline of talent that they have that they're trying to bring into their systems, some challenges that they have. So let's get to Dafina so we can start talking about what those alternatives look like. Um, <clears throat> I'm so excited to raise awareness of the Opportunity Finance Network. I, you know, it's it's funny. I as we get onto more and more podcasts, and I'm talking about this, and I start, you know, dropping the you know CDFI phrases. I get a little bit of blank stares from people, and I'm realizing more and more that people just don't understand what um, the Opportunity Finance Network is, what a CDFI is, and why it's a significant resource we should be giving a close look to when we're talking about access to capital. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been with Opportunity Finance Network for about 15 years, and I think there's still some people in my family who don't understand what we do and what CDFIs are. So I'm happy to shed some light on that. So Opportunity Finance Network, or OFN, we're a national trade association of CDFIs or community development financial institutions. So we're based in Washington, D.C., and we represent about 370 of these CDFIs. And CDFIs are really mission-driven financial institutions that focus on lending and investing in low wealth and low income and other underserved markets. And what's different about CDFIs is that they're really specialized lenders that are created to help fill credit gaps by providing access to affordable and responsible capital that's really designed to help move businesses, consumers, and communities into the financial mainstream. 
we like to say that, you know, CDFIs see opportunity where others see risk. We don't run from hard projects. Our model is to actually invest in the capacity of these underrepresented, underinvested places, people and institutions that other lenders tend to overlook or Oftentimes, these are communities that are actually targeted by high-cost predatory lenders. And CDFIs really do this by being rooted in their communities. We reflect and understand the communities we serve. We tailor our services to the people and places where we work. There's about 1,400 CDFIs across the country, and they typically have four different structures, some you might be more familiar with. There's credit unions and banks, so there's the regulated depository side of the equation, also mission-focused. And then there are loan funds and venture capital funds, and they really invest in numerous sectors, affordable housing, small business, community facilities, even in some infrastructure projects like wastewater treatment plants in Appalachia or financing the M1 rail project in Detroit a few years back. So. Really, these are institutions that anywhere there's a community development need, there's probably a CDFI somewhere trying to figure out how to solve that problem. That's great. Thank you for that overview, um, Davina. It, it's making me think too, because you know we had this great conversation just a couple of weeks ago on, a, on an in-depth uh, webinar about this topic. And so for those of you who are listening, we'll make sure there will be a link so you can access it and watch all of this um, deep, this discussion in full, including some amazing slides from, from Dafina talking about CDFIs uh, and OFN in particular. One of the things that jumped out at me at our conversation was your ability, the aggregate data talking about what kind of impact OFN and CDFIs collectively have. Could you share a little bit of that just so that we can give some sense of scope and scale to the audience? Absolutely. So this is an industry, even though it might not have this sort of widespread recognition um, as some more mainstream lenders, that has more than 40 years of a track record and experience working in, you know, these complex financing deals in you know, low-income communities. So the industry really grew out of the civil rights movement of the, the late 70s and was created to really help fill those capital gaps that we all know exist so it's grown. It's now about $222 billion in total assets. And I'm sure that is an undercount because those numbers are a few years old. And their impact in small business lending is really notable. There's about $25 billion of small business and micro loans right now in CDFI portfolios. So when you think about um, you know, loans that may be as small as $500, that's a lot of small businesses that have actually been able to be helped and supported through this industry's work. And this work is all done responsibly and prudently. We actually, as an industry, have charge-offs that are, you know, less than 1%, so comparable with what mainstream banks do. And we're working in some of the hardest-to-reach and hardest-to-serve markets. That's fantastic, Davina. Thank you for that. And, you know, that's that's making me think of a question, Jack. I'd like to throw to you, actually. It wasn't necessarily in my prep notes, but I, I don't think I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I think one of the things that jumps out at me at, at, at Dafina's um, kind of look at the aggregate impact, right, is we're talking about an ability to look at smaller loans, you know, and, and I think that's one thing I'd love to hear your thoughts, you know, knowing franchising, knowing financing franchising, you know, can you help us kind of like think about that in context about why that matters so much, particularly in uh, minority communities? Sure. First of all, it's the it's the capital that uh, some of the candidates have. Other than the capital, there are many qualified candidates. 
people who have the skill sets, people who have the talent, people who have, you know, the bandwidth to be able to take on a franchise and actually uh, build it and grow it. But there's that missing piece. And as a former chief development officer, I would get calls every week from franchise consultants who would provide that kind of person. And then we'd see they didn't have access to capital. Well, it's because of the cost, the entry level to the franchise that I was representing at that time. But we know that more and more, there are franchises that are available for under $100,000, even under $50,000. Now, that, those are opportunities here. And for a lot of the bigger fi financial institutions that typically handle SBA loans and ROBs and so forth, it takes them just as much work to do one of those small loans as it would to do one for three, 400000 or more. So they're not as interested. Well, that's the perfect spot for these CDFIs. But if the franchisor doesn't know, then they don't, they just say, oh, you just are not a good fit. We want to change their minds to say, well, you're not a good fit here, but we have another possibility. And that's really what makes it happen. So we then can look at franchises that fit into the financial uh, budget that folks are, are in that have access to, and then give them access to the capital they need for those types of franchises that they could make uh, a good business out of. That's so great, Jack. Thank you so much, because I think that's so helpful for our audience of franchise brands in particular to think about where does this fit in in the portfolio in some ways as well. And I'm thinking about, again, that that talent pipeline and, and there's so many, again, have goals of recruitment and, and minority entrepreneurship owner uh, ownership numbers. And, you know, this being a piece of that puzzle and understanding where where the gaps might be uh, happening just from a systemic a systemic point. Um, all right, so let's talk about this because, you know, I think then a lot of our, our franchise brands then kind of wonders, want to understand, well, what does the CDFI actually do to finance the small business? How are they different? We've talked about that a little bit, but what are some of the other important things that we would want franchise systems to understand about how CDFIs actually finance the small business? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to underscore what Jack said about, you know, the smaller dollar loans, which is there's just not a lot of lenders that want to play in this space because these loans are, you know, simply not profitable. And so that leaves a real dearth of, um, you know, financing for these small businesses that sometimes we've seen, you know, really high cost lenders come in and try to fill those gaps. But um, I'm really excited to be able to raise awareness of this other alternative of responsible lenders through CDFIs. And um, part of what makes this different is what I mentioned previously, which is this is an industry that really was born out of the civil rights movement. And so its roots are in economic justice. And so, CDFIs understand and recognize when it comes to dealing with underserved small business owners that there are so many barriers that women and people of color will encounter when seeking financing for their business, whether it's, you know, starting your business and you need that initial, you know, $5,000 or $10,000 loan, or if it's, you know, venture type growth capital to really take your business to the next level. There's always barriers that, um, that they face when trying to seek traditional financing. And so CDFIs are really trying to remedy those by bringing together not just the capital and the loan products, but combining those with training, coaching, and technical assistance to really ensure that the business is able to be successful. And we're really focused on parts of the market that are, you know, overlooked or avoided altogether. So we're talking about businesses with, you know, maybe there's some credit blemishes because someone, you know, has some 
some health insurance or um, you know bills that that are on their credit report, or these are businesses that are in the startup phase and they really need a small amount of capital, or they have lower revenues, um, or their owners just need a little bit of extra training and support to really get over that finish line. That's really the sweet spot for CDFIs. And the other piece of what makes this model so successful is the kind of development services and the trading, or what we like to call at OFN, this capital plus model. So it's not just looking at, you know, you submit an application and someone runs your financials or looks at an algorithm and, you know, approves you or doesn't approve you, but they actually take a look at the the business and what's your idea what are you what are you trying to do they look at the owners and they under, want to understand what your vision is and how they can help bring that into fruition so it's a partnership it's a process where you know the lender and the borrowers are actually working together to ensure that the business owner is ready to take on new capital and that once they do they're able to actually use that and be successful and that loan gets paid back so then there's a successful, happy business owner. There's also a lender that has a loan repaid and that capital can be recycled to make new loans to different businesses. And so I think that that's really what's underlying this whole model is that, you know, we are here to kind of help you set up a plan. So if you need help with financial statements or market research or modeling or something, they're going to help you on that front end with that support. And then they're going to continue to work with you over the life of the loan, whether it's you know servicing that loan or helping you get additional capital that you need to grow. There's going to be someone that's kind of working with you to make sure that your business is able to get to that next stage, whatever that looks like. Um, and so, you know, this is high touch. This is really intensive work that many financial institutions don't or won't do, but this is what we do best. We're focused on the community impact as opposed to the, you know, the profitability of the loan or the profit making. We're really thinking about how do we give the right products and resources needed for the communities as opposed to how can we generate the highest return on investment for this lending. And Ricky, I love that. Uh, Davina, thanks for, uh, for, to, for bringing that out because typically when I see small people trying to start small businesses, many times they're starting a solopreneur type of business. They're not adding jobs to the community. Uh, they're not adding, they're not creating something that maybe they can sell and have the exit strategy. They're thinking about their strategy to start it, get in it, but never the exit strategy. I try to coach them to go all the way through. How do you get it started? How do you build it? You know, how do you start attracting more customers? And then what's your exit strategy? Well, part of that happens when you have a business that's sellable. Part of it being sellable is, you know, having something that's got an operations manual that has set customers, that has an employee base and so forth. And that's what this gives an opportunity for. Um, to not just say, hey, I don't have the money. Oh, here's the money. I'm going to stick it into some idea that nobody's ever heard of. And maybe it'll be the next, you know, Uber, maybe not. But franchisors are looking for franchisees that can come in and be successful. If you think about what they're looking for and what the CDFIs do, as Dafina just mentioned, in their Capital Plus program, it's a win-win. They're looking to help the, the, their, their, uh, the one they loaned the money to to be successful. The franchisor is looking for someone to be successful. Everybody wins there. We have to change the paradigm to say, you know what? In these smaller businesses, you can still employ people, have a voice in the community as a business uh, uh, leader, and get access to the capital you need to start your business, grow your business, have a good exit strategy, and maybe even a family legacy. This is a win-win for everybody if it's executed right. Jack, you, you just 
you did such a great job taking the words out of my mouth right there and 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 just really kind of hitting the nail on the head because you know what another thing that i love about this discussion right is because we're talking beyond just the capital right when we talk about the challenges for uh you know, people of color, entrepreneurship, emerging uh, communities, transitioning neighborhoods, you know, lots of times these are, uh, these are communities who don't necessarily see a lot of successful business ownership. They've got maybe got the, the drive, the, the work ethic, the passion, but it, it takes a lot, it takes a village to get people to be successful. And I think what I, you know, what I love so much about the discussions we have here is both from the CDFI, seeing the SCORE mentorship, it, there's really an awareness that it, it's one thing to give people money. It's also another thing to help make sure that they have the support systems in place to be successful with that money and help them think about investing and how to grow it and, you know, and, and then turn it into something bigger and better for, uh, for the next generation. I think, you know, that's something that we hear so many participants in our Diversity Institute programs talk about, right? We want to create multi-generational wealth opportunities, first-time uh, business owners, and, and being able to give to their families what might not necessarily have been available to them. So thank you so much for uh, really putting a, a very fine and important point on that. So what I'd like to do next, you know, Dafina, is what I'm hopeful that we've done is we've raised a lot of interest in saying these CDFIs sound really interesting. I really want to pay attention to where can I find them? How can I start working with them and look at some of those practical things? So Dafina, could you school us a little bit about how people can go find a CDFI? Sure. Um, so the easiest place, I think, to start would be OFN's website, OFN.org, where we actually created a tool that's called a CDFI locator. And you can actually use different search filters to learn all about the, um, the CDFIs that are part of our network. They're working in urban, rural, native communities all across the country. And the beauty of this tool is that you can actually, you know, search for small business lenders working in a specific state, state, and it'll actually generate a list of, you know, all the organizations that are lending in your area and contact information, websites. So you can kind of do a little digging um, and due diligence to, to find out who's really working on the ground in your communities. Um, I think the, the great thing about being able to kind of search and find local organizations is that you'll find that there's a lot of specialization among the institutions as well. So, um, you know, some CDFIs, if you're working with a, you know, immigrant populations or other types of communities, they're going to have staff, look staff that, you know, speaks the, the language of the community. They're going to have cultural competence to understand any issues that might arise around, you know, trust of financial institutions and not being comfortable going into banks. And so they're they're actually gonna have, your staff is gonna be able to help you navigate those challenges, which I really think means a lot when it comes to things like, um, you know, looking for loans. A lot of communities that have traditionally been underserved don't trust banks. And so CDFIs can help kind of ease that transition into, you know, accessing capital. So I would highly encourage you to kind of look for CDFIs that are working on the ground in your community. And some are going to be, you know, hyper-local, they're only going to be serving a couple of neighborhoods in a, in a city. Some are going to be regional or national, but even the larger ones that have a national presence, they're going to have 
boots on the ground, offices, local staff that is really there to kind of make sure that they're helping to navigate um, any of those challenges with the local communities. So OFN.org, great place to find CDFIs. The Treasury Department, which certifies all 1,400 CDFIs, they also keep a downloadable list on their website of um, you know all 1,400 CDFIs. And I think you can find the links to that in um, the webinar recording that should be available. Um, so I think you know those are two great places to kind of start finding your local CDFIs. Thank you, Dafina. And I'm going to do one more plug for the webinar, too, because I remember one of the really great topics you covered in more um, depth there than we have the opportunity here to, to do here today is or what are some of the different ways that brands and those looking to support entrepreneurs could get involved with CDFI? So in addition to knowing where they are and helping to potentially connect um, those seeking financing. There are other ways that they can work with the local CDFIs too, if I'm remembering correctly. And I think I'd love to have everybody check out that webinar to hear more about that. All right. So Jack, I want I want to bring this back into you because you're you're helping us hit some home runs with connecting the dots to franchising and so many of our brands and and I think some of the best advice we could give them to how to think about this amazing information we're hearing from Dafina and putting it to work to help increase um, ownership numbers from minority communities and among people of color and the like. So can you help us think about what are some of the most important takeaways that you would highlight for brands that want to increase their ownership numbers? What, what are the most important things that we always need to be thinking about moving forward? I think the first thing is if the person has the skill sets, meaning the candidate, and has all of the tools other than maybe the financials, slow down and look for another option, another tool, uh, such as the CDFI tools that we're speaking about now. Um, uh, get more into the mentality of, um, you know, uh, you don't, rather than you don't fit, uh, maybe just not yet, let's see what we can do. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is really um, make connections at the grassroots levels, uh, grassroots level for the, um, the chapter of score in your, in your neighborhood, the chambers of commerce, whether it be the African-American chamber, the Asian-American chamber, the Hispanic chamber. Uh, they know of people who are thinking about starting a business or people who are looking at converting their business to a franchise. It might be a good fit. Uh, so once you get to the grassroots level, guess where you are? You are where your prospects are. Now, if you just learn the vernacular, and sometimes that may take an intermediary, maybe it's someone like myself or somebody like Dafina uh, that can make those connections, then all of a sudden, you know, you're speaking the same language, you're, you have the same purpose, and then you're going to uh, optimize the opportunity for everyone to be successful. So there's effort that could be made for success for everyone, those who want to be in business and those franchisors who are looking for potentially successful business owners. Thank you, Jack. That, that's great. And, you know, I think you raised yet another uh, important point, you know, that I think I'd love uh, we could dive into in future podcast discussions, right, which is the importance of local partnerships in addition to the financial institutions. You know, a big part of our Open for Opportunity campaign as we're going on this roadshow across the country is to build partnerships and relationships with so many of the local chambers like you talked about. Um, trying to connect with the CDFI, so connecting with the, the diverse chambers that are local and trying to find out what are ways that we can get information in front of them to introduce them to franchising. How can we learn about the unique challenges in those communities so that we can bring that back to our brands as well? 
So everybody who's listening today, I encourage you to keep up with our with our work on the Open for Opportunity campaign and get involved with us when we're coming to your neighborhoods across the country. Um, and we'll keep talking about that moving forward because a big part of the conversation we're having in every single one of these communities is you know accessing capital, the challenges of creating more franchise owners in those communities and what they're running into day in and day out. Um, so with that, I want to thank you both for an amazing conversation and discussion today. Um, it's just the tip of the iceberg, I think, of what we're trying to uh, have as like conversations um, as a whole community about ways that we can work together to elevate more owners from diverse backgrounds and, and really help them find their way forward through franchising because we're very passionate about it and believe that it is open for opportunity, uh, as our campaign says. So for any of you who are listening and want to get more involved with us, we'd love to hear from you. You could reach out to me directly, learn about Diversity Institute, learn about the Black Franchise Leadership Council, our other affinity groups, including the Pride Council, the Hispanic and Latino Franchise Leadership Council. Get connected with Dafina and Jack, and I'm sure they're more than happy to talk about accessing capital and, and its connections to franchising we're going to be pretty excited to keep having these conversations moving forward. So we've got a lot of programming, a lot of opportunities, and I really can't thank the two of you enough for sharing your expertise with our audience today. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening to Franchise Voice from the International Franchise Association. For more on IFA's Franchise Foundation, visit FranchiseFoundation.org.